Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, Leslie gets me prepped for my Disneyland trip and tells us everything we need to know about visiting Disneyland in 2022. Find old episodes of this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Shout out and thank you to Lynn's June 8 for your recent review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you receive bonus content, including extra trip reports, or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at wwdeciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, I am soon to be headed to Disneyland. And selfishly, I thought Leslie could give me a crash course on what I need to know about going to Disneyland. Unfortunately, Leslie, correct me if I'm wrong, but Disneyland has not quite found its equilibrium yet. So this won't be as evergreen as an episode as we might want it to be. So maybe this is kind of what people need to know if they're visiting Disneyland in 2022. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the same is the case for Walt Disney World. Like everything just isn't back. And we don't know when some of these things are coming back, if ever. But yeah, I mean, we've settled into something resembling normal-ish operations and and have some, some data points now that are longer term to make plans from. Before we get started, we just want to thank some of our newest patrons. We had a lot of people sign up in March, and we really appreciate it. We'll, so we'll spread it out over a few episodes. Shout out and thank you to Susan O, Maggie H, and Ann H for subscribing. We really appreciate it. Like I said, I'll be going to Disneyland soon, so there'll be bonus trip report content from Disneyland from when I'm there. And we have a lot of trips coming up so we really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the extra content all right leslie so i'm gonna be there oh my gosh i'm gonna be there in a week and a half from when we are recording this so why don't you let us know i've already planned my trip but for people planning their trips what's the first thing they kind of need to know about disneyland in 2022 well, the first question I guess I always get is, when can I go when it's not crowded? <laughs> and the answer is um, never. So <laughs> that is kind of the new normal of Disneyland. I mean, it's it's always been the case because Disneyland is more of a locals park that, you know, even when tourists aren't there, the locals are there. But that's even more the case now with, you know, I guess just demand and, and with, I think in part because of the park reservation system. But, you know, people just want to get back to, to Disneyland and there's a lot more people with Within a few hours drive of Anaheim, maybe than there are compared to Orlando. And of course, Disneyland is smaller. So I guess my best advice, and, and you have taken it because you're going during Easter week, is to not micromanage your dates because it's really hard to go during a dead crowd time. That's just, you know, be prepared for some crowds and have a strategy for dealing with those crowds. Weirdly, I should point this out, and this may not be the case, you know, for too, too much longer. Right now, at least, weekdays can be busier than weekends, which is completely reversed. And that's because there's a discount SoCal ticket that's good until the end of May, but it's only good on weekdays. So the people who hold that ticket are flooding in on the weekdays. And then it's actually like the best day to visit right now is is Sunday. That's not necessarily the case historically and and but anytime there's a, a discount ticket out there in the times that it's valid then you really got to look at the effect of that discount ticket and how it drives the crowds man i could have gone on sunday <laughs> sorry where, where were you when i was planning this trip um yeah 
Yeah, I think it's it's funny to just go East Coast for a second. Disney World has also had better park reservation availability on the weekends as opposed to the weekdays. And I think that is a spring break phenomenon because of spring breaks. The weekdays have been the most crowded, but people travel on Saturday and Sunday. So those are the days that have been green in March and April or have lit, stayed green the longest in March and April. So it's weird how Disney parks sometimes break the rules of what you would expect for crowds and you know people's travel patterns and things like that now speaking of park reservations seems to be just as difficult and annoying at disneyland as it is at disney world i know it's extra annoying for annual pass holders but if you're listening to this episode you're probably not an annual pass holder or a disney key holder i think is the proper term now but for people planning in 2022 what do they need to know about park reservations and also about when to make park reservations So I actually think it's been harder at Disneyland than it has been at Walt Disney World to get park reservations. And I think that will continue to be the case. I mean, I know you were kind of watching and waiting and deciding whether to pull the trigger on purchasing a ticket. And I was like, don't wait too much longer because I think the reservations could be gone. And it happened to me. I mean, there have been reservations that have disappeared more than a month in advance. I mean, day is completely gone. And that's with, um, there are two different calendars at Disneyland. There's a a calendar for park hopper tickets and there's a calendar for for one park per day tickets. And usually the park hopper tickets have a little bit more availability that sticks around for an extra, you know, few days or even a week compared to the one park per day. But I mean, I've seen totally gone reservations more than a full month in advance. So we're really seeing a lot of disappointment from folks. You know, I have that Disneyland with Kids Facebook group. And we just, I mean, every day we see somebody who said, you know, I waited too long and now I can't go. And and then you're in the situation like you are at Disney World of refreshing 24 hours a day and spending a ton of time. And maybe you'll, you'll snag that reservation or maybe Disney will just drop some additional capacity. But that's no way to start a vacation. So, you know, I really think it's important to plan. I would say two months in advance is safe. I mean, maybe not Christmas Day or something like that, but two months in advance is definitely safe. One month in advance could be questionable. Now, with Disney World, we always say to make your park reservations as soon as you buy your tickets. With Disneyland, it's a little bit different because you cannot make your park reservations until 120 days in advance of your trip. So, for example, if I booked a Disneyland package right now to stay over Thanksgiving or something like that, I wouldn't be able to book my Disneyland park reservations until July or so. Now, quick kind of technical question, Leslie. I think I was messing around with this. I feel like the Disneyland website, when you're trying to refresh for park reservations, you can't even get to the select a park page. Like you can't even click on the calendar if there are no reservations available. Like you need the calendar to refresh. Unlike Disney World, where regardless of what the calendar says, you can still click on Hollywood Studios and find that it is not available and you can just keep clicking on Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I just did my Disney World reservations and I'm trying to think that the interface is different. I don't remember clicking, you know, you click on one of the four parks when you do Walt Disney World ones, but I don't remember that you click on one of the two parks. I think you you start from the calendar and you see the icons as to what parts of parks available is what I'm remembering. Right. And I feel like that's more frustrating because you can't even click on the day on your calendar unless that day has partially available, which is really annoying because that calendar doesn't update in real time. Unlike at Disney World, when you're clicking on Hollywood Studios, that updates in real time, even though the calendar itself doesn't update in real time. Ah, ah, yeah. So (laughs) I guess that makes refreshing that much harder. Is that the, the bottom line? That is the bottom line. So really, 
if you take anything away, it's make your park reservations as soon as possible and don't buy the tickets unless, you know, the the nice thing about Disneyland tickets, unlike Disney World, is that when you're buying your tickets, as long as you're within that 120 days, you can make the park reservations as you are buying your tickets. And you should definitely be doing that if you're buying your tickets within 120 days. If you're buying them direct from Disney, you can. If you buy them from like a discounted third party, like Undercover Tourist or Getaway Today, then you have to do that separate step, um, link your tickets and then make your reservations. But it's not too hard. But I mean, especially for people who buy one day, you're doing it in one fell swoop. You're booking a one-day ticket, you're purchasing a one-day ticket, and then you're booking the reservation in one fell swoop, which is nice. Unbelievable. We have to talk about this in the year 2022. It's crazy. All right. So speaking of hard-to-get reservations, what do we need to know about dining and reservations for activities at Disneyland? Well, I guess what you need to know is that it's hard, too. (laughs) Everything is harder, Joe. I'm sorry, (laughs) as you've learned. But yeah, I mean, the dining capacity is still cut. Not all the restaurants are kind of firing on all cylinders. The menus are still reduced at a lot of the table service restaurants. I mean, as you know, Blue Bayou is is closing down. Um, They've had some walls up, and and so some of the restaurants are closed. But yeah, it's really hard to get a dining reservation. And because of the system, I mean, it really used to be you could make a dining reservation at a popular restaurant a week before your Disneyland vacation. And now you're looking at, you know, the 60 day mark. And of course, not all the capacity is opened at the 60 day mark. And so you're, you know, up early in the morning at 6am and you're refreshing and, and that restaurant wasn't released and you don't know whether it'll be released tomorrow or seven days from now. So it's really frustrating. I mean, we, we had that episode about the different tools we had for trying to find dining reservations, you know, mouse dining, mouse capros, all of those kind of tools. So you really need to use one of those if you're dead set on getting a dining reservation. But honestly, I have really gravitated more lately towards quick service restaurants. Mobile ordering is working better. The return times are closer in. It's not as frustrating as it was right when things reopened, when you'd have to book your dinner at 10 o'clock in the morning to make sure you had a return time slot. So that's great. I mean, that's working (laughs) a little bit better than it was, but table service, I think, may remain frustrating for a while. Now, related to my trip, and also for a little while, the Disneyland food and garden i'm sorry you're gonna have to correct me festival but there's a festival going on right now so in terms of wine like wine (laughs) okay thank you thank you so in terms of eating well i don't know i thought they maybe like changed the names up a little bit but yeah so food and wine at i keep wanting to say epcot but at disneyland right now number one is it at both parks yes no So it's only California Adventure. Do you find like like Epcot that is enough to kind of sate your hunger for the entire day? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's the same style as the food festivals in Epcot. You go and you get several dishes and you maybe share with your family members and you can make a meal out of it for sure. They have the the little sip and savor passes that you can get, you know, pay pay one price and get eight items, which is which is great. The food's really good. And I mean, California food is great. <laughs> so you really can't complain. I'm, I'm always happy with the food festivals at Disneyland and I mean maybe not so kid friendly but um, I mean there are some dishes plenty of kids will eat but not my chicken finger eating youngest. Now let's talk about a little bit 
strategy in terms of what parks to go to. Disneyland, of course, only has two parks, but they're very close to each other. Only about a 10-minute walk between Disneyland and California Adventure. What are your recommendations as to which park you should reserve first, even if you have a park hopper? And my understanding is that you can park hop at 1 p.m., correct? Right. You can park hop at 1 p.m., and they're not 10 minutes apart, Joe. They're one minute apart. I mean, you walk out of the Disneyland gates and you're in line for California Adventure one minute later. They're that close. Oh, you don't even have to like walk through downtown Disney or whatever? No, they are across an esplanade from one another. Downtown Disney's off to the side. So you are super, super close. You can get from Main Street USA to Soarin' faster than you can get from Main Street USA to the back of Disneyland where Galaxy's Edge is. So what's your general recommendation? Do you feel like on a three-day trip, you know, how would you do your park reservations? Does it really matter? You know, what kind of things do people need to think about in terms of deciding what their first park is going to be? Yeah, I mean, because park hopping is at one, you do have to think about, you know, is there enough to do (laughs) until one o'clock? I mean, this can be, you know, a challenge too, I think, at, at Walt Disney World, at some of the parks, based upon what your interests are. And the park with less to do is California Adventure, for sure. If you have a smart strategy, you can pretty much ride everything in California Adventure by one, by park hopping time. So for that reason, I usually say if you have a three-day ticket, book two more in Disneyland and book one in DCA. And I mean, honestly, I I highly recommend the park hopper option at Disneyland just because the parks are so close and really allows you to move. And especially if there's something like a special event in one of the parks, then you can, you know, still go to the other park that's open much later. You know, the hours at Disneyland are much longer. So you kind of get a little more bang for for your park hopper buck because you could start at eight o'clock in the morning and go until midnight if you wanted to. So, so there's definitely some value there. But yeah, I mean, I, I still think there's more to do in Disneyland. And I know we'll get to strategy, but if you have something like Genie Plus, there's value in that park hopper to being able to really maximize your rides. Yeah, so let's get to strategy now. My first question for you is individual lightning lanes. At Disneyland, unlike Disney World, you cannot buy the individual lightning lanes until you have entered the park. Can you buy for the park that you haven't entered if you have a park hopper? So for example, if I go into California Adventure, can I buy the lightning lane for Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland? And what other things do we need to know about purchasing individual lightning lanes at Disneyland? All right. So yes, you can purchase for the other park and the system actually works for once and it recognizes that you're park hopping later in the day and it gives you a return time that is 1 p.m. or later. So that's great. Um, you can and you can actually see that in real time. And unlike at Disney World, the time doesn't change on you. <laughs> what you see is actually what your return time is going to be. I mean, maybe give or take five minutes. It might change till five minutes later, but it's not going to change by hours, which is great. So individual lighting lane, only three attractions. You've got Rise of the Resistance in Disneyland and then in California Adventure, you have Radiator Springs Racers and Web Slingers. I mean, the one to buy, I guess, if you only have the budget for one, is Rise of the Resistance, I think. Um, just given the the length of the attraction, you know, you can more successfully rope drop Radiator Springs Racers and Web Slingers. If you really, you know, want to save the cash, it's it's not a great strategy to, to rope drop Rise of the Resistance because you miss out on so much else. You, you spend the first hour of your morning going back to Rise of the Resistance and then miss out on like five Fantasyland rides in the process. And that's if Rise of the Resistance doesn't even break. 
which uh, is never a sure thing. Right. Now, last thing about individual lightning lanes, is it you can only purchase two just like in Disney World? Same rules as Walt Disney World. You can only purchase two per day. So if you want to purchase all three, you've got to go for at least two park days. Hmm. I'm thinking on my first day when I'm going to Disneyland, we probably will skip Rise of the Resistance since we just did a Disney World. And so... Maybe I'll just buy both Radiator Springs and Web Slinger so that when we roll into DCA in the afternoon, we can uh, go check them out. Does that sound like a decent strategy? Yeah, that sounds like a great strategy. I I did something close to that myself one of the recent times I was there, so totally worth it. All right, and now let's move to the thing that Disneyland has way more of than Disney World, and that is attractions that don't have Genie Plus or individual lightning lane. Now, these are generally the fantasy land attractions. So how do you recommend, or let me rephrase, obviously the answer to this is to rope drop, but in terms of rope dropping strategy at Disneyland, what is your recommendation for like how early to line up? What do I need to know about security and all that? What am I looking at? All right, so if you're within walking distance, I mean, it depends a little bit on crowds. I mean, you want to be through security and at the Esplanade in line for the parks at least 30 minutes in advance because cast members always open the gates about 30 minutes in advance to allow people to queue up along Main Street to be at rope drop. So you want to be there at least when the gates open. Ideally, especially if it's a busier crowd time, I'd be there 15 minutes before that. And if you really want to be at the front of the rope, you know, maybe 30 minutes before that. So that's a full hour before park opening time. So, you know, if you're nimble, if you're, you know, solo or you, you'll be only with your daughter, you can kind of weave through the crowds a little bit, then you have a little fudge room here. So <laughs> it's about how, how, I guess, competitive you are when it comes to doing the rope drop. And you don't have to be right on the rope to rope drop Fantasyland. What you really want to do is just make your way through you know, whatever attractions that you are interested in. And you can get in four or five in the first hour. If you're going to do Peter Pan, you do have to be at the front of the rope. That's the only sort of exception to that rule because everybody goes towards Peter Pan. But everything else, you don't need to be like right there at the front. And then I would prioritize in this order. I would do Snow White's Enchanted Wish behind Peter Pan. I would do Alice in Wonderland. Then I would probably do Dumbo um, and then Mr. Toad, uh, either or, just sort of depending what the what the line looks like when you eyeball it. And then everything else. So Casey Jr., Carousel, etc., Pinocchio, the less popular attractions. And none of those have Genie Plus. None of those have Genie Plus. The only thing in Fantasyland with Genie Plus is Matterhorn and Small World. So I'm probably doing Snow White, Alice, Mr. Toads, because don't need to do Dumbo. What's Casey's? It's Casey Jr.'s little circus train. I mean, it's it's a fun one for toddlers, but I, we still ride it. <laughs> I think you should definitely do it because it's unique. And then there's Storybook Canals as well. It's Barnstormer? No, 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 no. It's a tiny little train that goes one mile an hour. It goes through the same canals that the Storybook Canal boats go through. You sort of see the same fairy tale scenes. It's really cute. Okay, so Snow White, Alice, Mr. Toads... Casey's Storybook Canals and then Pinocchio. Something like that. You probably maybe want to torpedo the last couple and move on to some other rides before that and circle back. But 
Yes. Are, is it like Fantasyland and Disney World where those last couple of rides, they're not going to have much of a line at night? Right. Exactly. You won't have as much of a line at night. And you, you probably could still circle back to some of those later mid-morning while people sort of move on to the thrill rides and are using Genie Plus. They won't be necessarily too, too bad. I, I think especially Storybook Canals, sometimes you can find a good opening. But it really does vary. It really does vary based upon, upon the crowds as they ebb and flow throughout the day. Now, before Genie Plus, do you generally recommend just using my phone as the ticket because there's no magic bands? And then security, is it the contactless, you know, you just walk through with your bag thing like they have at Disney World? No, sadly, security is like old school where they you put your bag on a table and they open it up and wand through it and then you walk through metal detectors. But it doesn't back up. They're actually pretty fast. And where you're staying, Joe, I know you're staying at the Disneyland Hotel. That side of security is very quick. There are very few people staying on that side of downtown Disney. So you won't have any substantial wait at all. Isn't it the same entrance, though? No, the security is on either end of downtown Disney. So if you're entering from the Disneyland Hotel, you come right out of the Disneyland Hotel, and there's a security entrance into that side of downtown Disney. And if you're staying on the other side of Disneyland, on, on the Harbor Boulevard side, there's a security entrance right there as you enter the Esplanade between the two parks. Downtown Disney is within the secure area, which is great, because if you just hop out for lunch or something like that, then you don't have to go through security again. Oh, so once I get through security at the beginning of the day, unless I go back to my hotel, I'm in Disneyland and California Adventure all day without having to do security again? Exactly. So that's what makes park hopping that much more efficient because you don't have to go through security every time you want to go back and forth between the parks. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so Genie Plus strategy at Disneyland. I can't start booking my Genie Plus until I get into the park, but it seems like maybe I should rope drop Fantasyland, then make Genie Plus reservation for maybe an hour later, and then I should be able to get Genie Plus after Genie Plus after Genie Plus. Does that sound like the proper strategy? Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. And I just tested it again, as you know, on a 8 out of 10 crowd day. And my return times were always less than two hours out. And often they were just 20 minutes later. So I book a ride, I'd walk to it, I would scan into it, I would immediately book my next ride. And by the time I was off the attraction that I just was riding, my next one was ready. And so it's all it's often faster than you can use it, Joe. I mean, that's what's so great. I mean, of course, there are a couple of headliners that do start returning later return times as the day goes on. But if you prioritize those a little bit earlier in the day, they won't be an issue. Or if you just time them to be the ride that you want to ride after lunch, you'll wait out the hour or hour and a half without even realizing it. What are the ones that really back up? that I need to worry about. Indiana Jones is the one that usually starts returning return times later in the day first. Then, I mean, everything else that you would think about, it would be Space Mountain, Guardians of the Galaxy, Millennium Falcon, all of the rides that are the e-ticket attractions, especially newer ones that people haven't had a chance to do yet. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) It's great. Man, I totally forgot about Mission Breakout. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. Let's uh, close things out for what do people need to know if they're planning. Let's uh, move away from Selfish Joe's planning his trip to people who are planning trip for the rest of the 2022. What do people need to know now? I know because it's, again, selfishly going to affect me. Pirates is closed right now, which is a huge bummer uh, for my trip. But other than that, what are things people need to worry about in terms of refurbishment or things that are coming back? Toontown is also closed and 
that's going to be closed for the rest of the year and into 2023 as we get Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and also just sort of a reimagining of that land. Pirates closed for a while, and I don't think there's an open date yet, but maybe I've missed it. So watch that for sure if you're a Pirates fan. And the Nighttime Spectaculars are coming back in April and then one more in May. So that's going to be nice to be added to the, the lineup and I think sort of give people a little more things to do, which is great. And then as you get into fall, we think Oogie Boogie Bash is coming back and we haven't heard dates yet, but those could be coming very, very soon. And I think it will sell out very fast. And of course, anytime there's, you know, an event that's in, that's in California Adventure, anytime there's an event that closes the park early with only two parks, you definitely get the bigger crowds moving to the other park. So that's something that you have to think about in terms of your own strategy and what park you want to book for that day, especially if you don't have a park hopper. So in And of course, we don't know whether we're going to get the sort of mini Christmas party that we had last year for the first time, Marius Nights, that was only, I think, five nights maybe in in early December, late November. And it seemed to to be a hit, um, even though it had some mixed reviews. And we'll see if that comes back. So that's something to to watch for as well. But Disneyland does like these after hours events, these special events. There's a Star Wars one in, in May. So definitely watch the calendar for those. You've got other things like grad nights in, in May and June as well. So a lot of things to sort of look at the calendar on. I'm always checking touring plans because they're pretty good about putting a lot of them on there. Not not everything, but at least that's a, a good place to start. So there is a fireworks spectacular at both California Adventure and at Disneyland plus Fantasmic. Is there three things total or is there just two? Like Fantasmic is one of them. You're close, Joe. So we have three things coming back April 22nd. There's the fireworks at Disneyland. Disneyland Forever fireworks are coming back. There's the Main Street Electrical Parade that's coming back there. And then over in DCA, World of Color, which is not a fireworks show. So don't insult it. I don't know if that's an insult or not, but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's something different. It's lights and, and lasers and water. And then finally, at the end of May, you have Fantasmic coming back in Disneyland. All right. Well, I'm getting pretty excited about this trip. As always, Leslie, we want to end with a Disney do or don't. So what do you have for us in terms of Disneyland for the rest of 2022? All right. Disney don't. I would say don't immediately purchase Genie Plus, assuming you haven't pre-purchased it with your ticket once you scan into the park for the morning if you're trying to make rope drop instead you should get yourself to rope drop and be as close as you can to the front of the crowds and while you're standing there then purchase genie plus there is no urgency to pulling over once you scan into the tap styles at the entrance to the parks and purchasing purchasing it that second you're you're better off strategy wise beating the the bodies than you are the tech great tip because you don't have to worry about any 7 a.m. booking nonsense. So love to hear that. Oh, last question about Genie Plus, And then I realized we forgot to say one thing, which I can say really quickly. Park opens at eight. You tap into the park at 730. Can you already book at that point? Or do you have to wait until eight o'clock to start booking? You can start booking. Um, it will be, you know, for an eight to nine a.m. return time almost universally. And you don't want to be using a Genie Plus at 8 a.m. That's not a good strategy. I mean, if you're going to use it, you could use it at 9 or even 9.15 because you have that 15-minute grace period. So that, that's what I would recommend if you're going to book something right away. Got it. And then last thing we forgot to mention is the on-site benefits, the extra magic hour, still not back yet. But of course, we will let you know when that comes. But right now, the only benefit of staying at the on-site Disneyland hotels, which are Disneyland Hotel, Grand Californian, and Paradise Pier, is just the Disney magic and Disney bubble. Although 
Some might argue Paradise Pier is not that magical. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) All right. Well, Leslie, thank you for the crash course. I will be injecting this into my veins. Like we said at the top, if you'd like to hear my experience with my daughter in Disneyland in a week or two, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Decipher. Thank you everyone for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you laughing at me when I say that Disneyland is better than Disney World in two weeks. Thanks, Joe.